All right, well, if you would, uh, go ahead and open your Bible to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we will uh, get there in just a few minutes, and i got to remember to stand here because this is my mic tonight. Um, so I'm used to teaching junior high kids, and so I like to uh, ask questions and have audience participation, so that might be a little different than normal. So uh, my question for you all tonight is, uh, are there any chess players in the room? Does anyone play chess? You can just raise your hand. That's good enough for me. There's a couple of people. And I, so at winter retreat, there was a couple of the young men that, that brought a chess board, and, and they played a lot of chess. And I'm not a chess player. Um, it's a game of, of strategy and skill, and I'm a very analytical person, so it seems like it would be right in my wheelhouse, but I just can't stand the game. It just doesn't, doesn't connect for me. My, my actual favorite part of chess at winter retreat was, uh, was, was Ryan, and uh, I like to call the knights horsies or my little ponies, and it really irritated him. And so that, that, that's what I really enjoyed about chess. And I promise we're going somewhere with this. This is not the whole part, part of this. Um, but I did some research on chess. And uh, it said that a good amateur chess player can think anywhere from three to five moves ahead of their opponent. It's pretty good. A professional chess player is able to think 10 to 15 moves ahead. And a grandmaster, a chess grandmaster, can think up to 25 moves ahead of their opponent. 25 moves ahead of their opponent. So, now that I've told you I'm not a chess player, and some of you that are chess players, if I challenge you to a game tonight, you take me up on that, because you know you're about to put a whooping on me. Right, But what if I had a professional helping me? What if I had a professional directing my moves? Would you still challenge me? Maybe, right? Maybe you want to know, how do I rank against a professional? How how do I stack up, right? But if I had a grandmaster, chess grandmaster, directing my moves, would you still challenge me? Probably not, because it would be foolish. Right? It would be absolutely foolish because as soon as you make your first move, he's going to lean down to me and say, hey, here's what's going to happen next, and then this, and then this, and then this, and we're going to win in this many moves. Right? It would be pointless to even take on that challenge. So, again, we're not here just talking about chess, but I just wanted to set that up because in 1 Samuel chapter 8, when the children of Israel come to Samuel, and they're, the first six verses, they're, they're requesting a king to be put in, in charge of them. They, they want a king over them. And, and Samuel's not happy about this, this request. But they want a king over them. And you'll understand the analogy for the chess in a little while. It's interesting, all the prayer requests. In, in Awana, we have a completely different program. So we don't hear all the prayer requests and, and all that stuff. So it's interesting because my, my topic tonight is, is prayer. And, and it's about how you pray. And, and these verses got me thinking about how I pray. And it, is my prayer asking for God's direction? Or is it directing God how I want him to do it? So... I want you to have that in mind as we, we start reading in 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to pick up in verse 7. 
It says, The Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of thy people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since that day that I brought them out of, up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So, Samuel's gone to God. He said, they want a king. I told them it was a bad idea. They want a king. And God says, all right, give them what they asked for. But before you give them what they asked for, I want you to tell them this is what's going to happen because of how they're asking. This is going to be the consequences of their ask. And if they still want it, then I'll give it to them. But I'm giving them a warning ahead of time. So, verse 10, and Samuel told all the words, told, told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots, and he will appoint him captains over thousands, captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maidservants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he will take a tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants. So... Doesn't sound like a very good list. He's going to take your sons. He's going to send them to war. You still want a king. He's going to take your daughters. They're going to come work for him. They're going to be his bakes, his cooks, his, his confectionaries, which I would assume is also a, a baker. But uh, He's going to take your land. That land that you like, that you think is you're great, yeah, he's going to take it. He's going to take the best part of it. And he's going to use it for his gain, not for yours. Oh, yeah, and what you do get to keep, he's going to tax you on. You're now going to pay him a tax for it. But that wasn't even the worst part of it. If you read the next verse, the next verse, I think, is, is the worst part of it. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye, have, ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. He has laid out this warning to them. You're asking me for a king. I'm saying, if you really want this king, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what you're going to get stuck with. It's not going to be good. Are you sure about this decision? Again, think back to my chess analogy. How many moves he's told them ahead of time right now? He's told them, this is what's coming. Do you, are you sure you want to go this? You sure you want to go down this route? By the way, when it gets bad and you cry out to me, I'm not going to hear you. Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but if, if, you, if you do, back in Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14 and 15, we know that it was always God's plan to have a king over Israel. Right? So their request is not something 
that God didn't have planned. It wasn't something that caught him off guard. It wasn't something he hadn't thought of before. It was already part of his plan. So why then is he telling them this is going to be the consequences of you asking this for me right now? Why? The answer to that is in verses 19 and 20. And it, it's just, it, just the audacity. Like, it just it, it baffles me. Verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. So they're not listening. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Nevertheless, we're going to have a king over us. But verse 20, they give their reason why. That we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. See, before this, they had judges, but God was their king. God reigned over them. Right? Their purpose for wanting a king wasn't because God wanted them to have a king. Their purpose for wanting a king was so they could be like everyone else. They wanted to be like every other nation. They wanted to be like everybody else. Well, what was the point of God's chosen people? To be alive to the world. Right? So if you're like everyone else, you're not doing what God's will is. I just, I found that so interesting that the whole purpose for their request was so they could be like everyone else. It came from, from selfishness. It came from an arrogance. It came from a not wanting really what God's will is. But, God, we want to just blend in. We want to, we want to be like everybody else. We don't want to stand out. Thinking about my own prayer life, that pops up, right? That pops up. And I, I think if we, if, we, if we all examine our own prayer life, and we, we all got down into the statistical analysis, like I said, I'm an analytical person, of our prayers, our words might be saying, God, I want your will in this situation. But God knows our heart. And there's plenty of times where my word's saying, God, please just give me your will. Whatever your will is in this situation, this is what I want. But my heart's saying, God, do it my way, please. God, do it my way. I need it my way because I have a plan for my way. I've already planned out what happens. If, if it goes my way, I know what happens next. They wanted to be like everyone else. It came out of selfishness and wanted to be like everyone else. So I got done extremely fast tonight. Wow. Um, my, my point is, and, and thinking back to, to the chess analogy, is God knows the next 25 moves of your request. He knows... If you go his way, what's going to happen? He knows if you go your way, what's going to happen. So when we make a petition before the Lord, when we bring something to him, make sure that you're coming with the right heart. Make sure you're coming with a heart that's actually seeking his will and trying to get his direction instead of trying to give him directions. He doesn't need our directions. He's figured everything out way, way, way before us.
I'm thankful that he doesn't hold me accountable to all my prayers. I'm thankful that he doesn't just give me what my heart's telling him when I'm praying. He's probably kept me from more trouble than I would even know. And I, I, my prayer is that hopefully something I said tonight will have you all examine similar sentiments in yours. And uh, I'm going to ask my dad to pray to dismiss us.